Having a remote coach and his technology giving athletes an unfair advantage on the track. Hello, welcome to Destination Tokyo. I'm Mark Shardlow and 10 minutes today with Paralympian Dan Greaves. In fact, five times Paralympic medal winner since way back in Sydney 2000. He doesn't look old enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I it's good to say I started young. Yeah, I only did Paralympic sport. I did able-bodied sport first and then um, did Paralympic sport the year before um, Sydney, just because I'd always competed able-bodied and didn't really think that I'd fit into a classification, but that wasn't the case. And then, yeah, on my 18th birthday, flew out to Sydney Paralympics and um, and came home with a silver medal and kind of the rest has just been a roller coaster <laughs> of history, really. That's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, I have interviewed you when you said you were going to retire and... So I'm not going to ask you if you're going to retire after Tokyo, because if you just keep getting better and keep putting the performances in, I guess you just want to carry on. Yeah, I mean, I, I did say that Rio would would be my last Paralympic Games, and then uh, subsequently got a, a personal best in 2018. So I think there's there's a little bit of life in the old dog um, old dog yet, and I've um, this this past year or so I've been with a new coach Zane, who's been like an old training partner and close friend and he's out in Doha and it's kind of reignited the fire so to speak and learning a, like you know 20 years in the sport I didn't think I'd be able to learn much more about discus but I was completely wrong so I've learned quite a lot this year and and keep on improving and my body's still healthy and yeah I'm kind of just rolling with it at the minute and I guess ultimately I, I don't want to be one of these athletes that just hangs on in their career I've seen so many people just think there's a dream still alive and it's gone you know the light on that um, dream's gone out so as long as I'm still in the mix for a medal which you know I hope to be that that's the aim so do you do remote coaching then yeah so with my old coach John who's based in Arizona obviously before I had children I'd be out there kind of 36 weeks of the year so quite a lot but then post obviously having Henry and everything we'd do things via um, Skype or FaceTime um, and then it's the same with 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 Zane, he's moved out to Doha, so four hours time difference. Um, yeah, we we'll just crack on. Yeah, so in one way, you're ahead of the game doing Zoom style calls, way ahead of uh, COVID and being coached remotely. Do you send footage or do they watch you live? How does it work? It's live. It's like he's there. Yeah, you, you know, you link up to FaceTime. He just sits in his lounge drinking coffee and <laughs> and, and watches me train, and and it's great. And he's able to give real time feedback, just like you would be if he was sitting there in Loughborough. Can you banter as well? Do you have discussions, oh, debates? How's it go? Yeah, I mean, we've got like a bit of a, like obviously with a new coach and everything, you have to get used to their style of coaching and their format. So we've got a bit of a format of of, um, of what we do. And because I'm kind of like the elder statesman and I kind of just crack on and, and, and it's more like a, uh, a two-way relationship as well. So I'll ask him questions and he'll ask me how, like about the technique and how I'm feeling today and, and what things we should really look to work on and that worked well in last the last session and just to jog my memory and, and we just kind of roll with it with that um, emphasis and then we've just been doing a real heavy technical block at the minute just to try and iron out some bad habits I've had over the years so he, he obviously it's hard for him to demonstrate but thankfully kind of like the athlete I think an athlete maybe at kind of club level or national level there's maybe still got lots of learning in the the discipline to go would really struggle without obviously practical demonstration but Zane can tell me verbally what I'm doing I'm not doing and how to fix it and I pretty much can fix it just obviously just because I've been doing it a long time so it does it, it is um obviously it would be great to have him here and to throw with him as well and and to, 
and whatnot. But the technology is just a saving grace, you know, um, throughout lockdown and through through this last past year. It's been great to communicate with him and, and get him into sessions. And, and even despite not being out in sunny Doha, um, we've been able to been able to get some some good sessions done. Uh, look, I'm sure you'd be the first to say you're really lucky to be able to do it as a job. But 21 years of going to training Monday to Friday, sometimes at weekends, that takes a lot of commitment. And how do you keep motivated? Uh, yeah, I, like you said, I'm the first, um, you know, I'm so thankful and thank my lucky stars that the government gave us elite status and rate. I'm able to do something that A, I love and, and B, it's my job. And, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible to see so many friends of mine or colleagues that just aren't able to do their jobs and do you know earn earn a living and having to adapt and change due to covid but yeah i think for me it's always the unquestionable doubt of whether i can still improve especially i found this more my motivations probably gained in in stature um as i've got on because i guess the, the older you get the more doubts creep into your mind and whether you can do things and someone tweeted me a stat that if i win the sixth paralympic medal consecutive um Paralympic medal in my discipline I'll be the first ever Paralympian in athletics to do so so and it's just little little gifts like that that keep you going and keep you motivated uh, and ultimately you know like having that success um athletes are very greedy and uh and just want more and more of it and there comes a point where I think realization sets in that you might not be able to achieve your um your past successes but Every morning I get out of bed and, you know, I'm just as motivated to go and put things right if I had a bad session the day before or it is tough, but yeah, not as tough as uh, I've been like an NHS key worker or working how many hours on um, essential wards, you know, that's just, those guys are just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I agreed. Um, I love that stat, by the way. That's a phenomenal stat. And of course, if you win six, there's, I, the headline's there for the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I think my wife will have a uh, a stern word in my ear about seven. But I think, yeah, I think it's for me. It's about being realistic, and I'd love to end on a high. Like the sport is moving on, especially Paralympic sport is moving on at a, a rate of knots, and um, especially my event is is so so competitive, and rightly so that there's young blood knocking on the door to try and get you know these medals and not as old boys off the top, and and that's what you want the sport to do. You want it to grow, you want it to evolve, and and to almost for me to leave a legacy for other athletes to to push it on and take it to places where I could probably only dream of, of throwing. So um, for me, yeah, it's I think see what Tokyo brings if it brings the magnet <laughs> if it brings the stunning six. Super then six, yeah, we'll, yeah. Um, we'll we'll see about yeah the super six. We'll, we'll we'll see about the seven. You talked about uh, legacy, and I know you're a member of the Athletes Commission, which I know a lot of athletes really value the the voice of the athlete. Can you tell us about the commission and why you got involved? Yeah, the commission um, is a set of both post and current athletes, uh, a nice mixture, and ultimately we're there to represent the athletes and give them a voice. Yeah, we're really really there just to support athletes and if they feel inclined that they can't go to the governing body for whatever reason because they fear in the past maybe some athletes have feared that it might um, jeopardize selection if they start talking negatively about the organization or or um, their positions within in the sport um, we're there to do that and we're there to be the kind of voice for them and and action their um, concerns. You talked about technology earlier in the chat in relation to Zoom and that sort of thing. But technology 
in relation to spikes and super spikes is very much in the news this week, this month, with some phenomenal times being posted. And this must be a challenge to all athletes, really. The technology, how far you need to go to embrace it, and is it a level playing field? What are your thoughts on that, Dan? It's one of those things where it's a, it's a, a quite a, a touchy subject, but there's been carbon-plated spikes since Ben Johnson back in, what was it, 86? Or was it 88? I think it was 88, wasn't it? Was it 88? He won his 100 meters. 88, yeah. 88, yeah. Um, and he had carbon footplates in the bottom of sprint su- su- spikes. So obviously, as as each step he took, there was less flexion in the sole of the shoes, which basically meant like he was getting um, a push out of the block each each and every step because the shoes were that stiff. Um, so it's been around for a long time. Um, I guess the technology has advanced, sport advances. Um, you know, we've got biomechanists measuring footsteps in 100 metres, to trajectory and uh you know body mass composition like the science behind sport is is huge and yes it's probably not a level playing field just yet because every country hasn't got access to it so you take like um, poorer countries around the world um going to really struggle with affording like basic technology where britain united states australia china russia um, affluent countries like that are really pushing the boundaries um, with sport and technologies. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating area. We've seen it in swimming with the suits. We've seen it in cycling. As you said, it's not just the technology, it's the science behind it as well that, that is aiming to give people an advantage. Well, uh, thanks, Dan. Fascinating chat. Good to see you in shape. You've had a really hard time with injuries over the last year or two, but you're you're firing on all cylinders now? Yeah, yeah, t- touch wood. Um, yeah, after my hip injury in 2019, um, it kind of came as a a, yeah, a slight relief that Tokyo was was pushed back because it gave us a bit more time um, to prepare. I think I think I started fully training in about January. So yeah, it would have been a tough turnaround in eight or nine months. But um, yeah, like fully fit and yeah, hitting some good figures in the gym. And I'm just trying to avoid this injury that I feel that may come on um, at any point. So it's just um, yeah, just trying to keep as fit as healthy in these in these strange times as possible. Really brilliant. Well, good luck onwards and upwards to the Super Six, and catch you soon. Thanks, Dan. Thanks a lot, Mark. Cheers. Well, I'm backing him for a magnificent seven. It is, after all, only three years in September to the next Paralympics in Paris. That's it for today. Check out details of the show about Dan and the charity I'm raising money for in the show notes that accompany the podcast. And tomorrow, my guest is someone who's had a dramatic change in sports since winning a medal in Rio in 2016. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.